1: Welcome, welcome everybody to the, the, the podcast. Tell uh, you what, a uh, thing that's doing the rounds from Ahi Arn, a GA club, they're an intermediate club in Throne, and it uh, seems that one of the players put online, you know, a, 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 a list of instructions that they've got from the new manager, the outside manager, and it's <laughs> it's headlined Arn Fines 2023. One late and no text, <laughs> three pounds. Two, no shoot, show, no phone call, £5. Three, silly yellow, £3. Four, <laughs> silly red, £5. Five, not in gear, training matches, £3. Six, no foam roller on bands, whatever
2: that is. What is that? I don't know. What that. Is. What's a foam roller?
1: It's, it's in vogue now, you know, for stretching your hamstrings. Oh, yeah, I love that. Them, yeah. You know. Everyone, everyone has to have what's a must-have accessory. No answer on thumbs up down. No answer on thumbs up. I know what you know,
2: that means when you look for a thumbs up or thumbs down on who's available. That's £3. That's, yeah. And uh, we're, we're, we're well past the minimum wage at
1: this stage. And then 8, <laughs> this is my favourite one. <laughs> Can I hardly say it? Smell of drink at training or games. Dropped. And <laughs> dro- dropped on a £10 fine. And then, and then in block capitals. These fines to be paid within week of fine issued. Failure to do so equals dropped or doubled.
2: Smell of drink. It's like, being, uh, it's like being 16, 15. I remember when I, you know, and the things you do when you start drinking when you're 15 or 16 and you'd go out, I remember, you know, you'd have these, like your parents would go out. My parents would go out for you know, two hours and you'd text all your friends, free house. And everyone would pile over. You know, and everyone positive. Everyone just drink. You, like It's crazy when you think about it. You kind of think, we can do this. We can get away with this in two hours. Get everyone into the Gosh. house. Start drinking. Drink your naggins, everything. And then they'll be home at half ten. So everyone get out before they get home. And no one will just be sitting on the sofa when they get back. Yes, reading Dostoevsky. <laughs> really reading, yes. Ah, and it's... just like kind of, you know, speaking. Uh, <laughs> you're kind of like Con used to. but just So speaking into my mouth like this. <laughs> Over the sofa, so which no. is
1: another thing that
2: managers do now. Oh, they do, they speak over the they kids, mouths. do that now so. kids kids as well. Kids copy it
1: anyway. If it says if it happens a third time, fourth time, etc., fines are doubled, i.e., a pattern, <laughs> <laughs> a <laughs> and a pattern I mean, to smell a drink. Rutger, and it's a it, it, I don't find this funny, it's funny in one sense, but it's what Rutger Rüt, Bregman, you know, the uh. Economist and historian and political and commentator, social commentator, who wrote the book, you know, Utopia for Realists. He said, you know, the 21st century resembles nothing more than a factory: universities, politics, schools, sports, mm-hmm. where everyone speaks in banal cliches. Everyone is obedient and happy to be talked down to everything is neutral everything is balance you know and i suppose you know it's it's this language that accompanies that this gobbledygook that has swept the world i mean george or- orwell in a 1941 pamphlet politics in the english language said look this is a very dangerous development this gobbledygook where people speak without saying anything yeah. Um, because politicians can disguise their true meaning, people stop thinking, so they use sort of cliches and they use words borrowed off the shelf. They don't think for themselves. It and it 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 has an impact on young people thinking about things themselves, political activism, social activism, and instead, you know, we become
2: consumers. But do you think that it's? What do you think the backlash to it is then? Because see, I don't think there is one now. Because
1: I have I mean, be I've seen it happening. I've seen it happening at first hand in RTE, for example. Where yeah, everything has become blander and blander and more neutral. And what's important is getting through the programme safely. Um, and also think that you know the advertising industry, big corporations. Now have far more influence over our lives than politics, you know. People are young people now. It's 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 your mobile phone, mm. and I know it's easy to say that, but there's a real consequence to that, mm. which is that you know politicians themselves are becoming mere pawns. We see that in America. You know, they're really owned by the corporate donors. It's happening in Ireland, you know, and particularly in games. I think which is games are supposed to be a sort of a an expression of yourself as a person, you know. Yeah. It's not supposed to be a dull chore. You watch this year's National Football League's just finished. Highly talented teams all look exactly the same, all play the same, yeah. all sound the same, all shuffling through their sort of choreographed routine. And there's a somberness because it's just a chore. It's a task to get through, and the only thing that's important is the outcome. The, proce- the, bu- the process. process. Yeah, the beauty, the the fun, you know, and, and I think everywhere now we see this human instinct for obedience, where people just sort of they want to fit in, and
2: they just and and now this language is there. But do you yeah. think, but as the language becomes more apparent, or becomes more widespread, everyone is exposed to everything now. Like thirty years ago, we had a everything was more local. Everything was divide, You know, things were more local because we didn't. We now we're exposed. To the world on a on a daily basis, so you do get this uniformity. It's kind of like a globalization of speech, it's a globalization. So, like, and yet, like, you know, one of the one of the kind of responses to like technocrats was something like Brexit or Boris Johnson and Trump as well, because they were the people who was oh, you could go for a, you could go for a pint with Boris Johnson, or you could you could do this because he didn't sound like anybody else. Um. And so that yeah, but the space has the space has been filled by the people who don't sound like everybody else is being filled by the worst people. But that that's that's part of the point then. I mean, you
1: think that such a ludicrous non entity as Nigel Farage yeah. was the spearhead of Brexit, you know, used by Rupert Murdoch, used by the newspapers going around in his union, Jack Shoes, you know, twenty five years ago a laughing stock. now a person to be taken seriously. Yeah. Donald Trump. I mean, 40 years ago, he would have been a laughing stock. And there he is. You know, he became the president. I think Jorge Valdano, the sort of great soccer philosopher, the great Argentinian, you know, who played with Maradona, he said that before the World Cup this year, he said, like, it's, he was lamenting the fact that teams used to come from their place, they used to have a distinctive identity. You watch Brazil, you're like, oh my Mm. God, this is like, this is like, um, you know, rhythmic dancing. You know, you watch the Senegalese, you know, the African teams playing, you know, with their sort of mixture of madness Mm. and and imagination. You know, the Germanic, the sober Germanic way of playing football. Now you said they're all the same. Everybody looks the same. Everybody plays the same, you know. And, and, uh, you know, something very important is lost on that. And then you got these squadrons of sports, (laughs) sports psychologists, I remember, but. I don't know. Three or four years ago, the great Jerry Donnelly, He's a dairy man. You know, mm-hmm. His father was a famous ref in dairy. Jerry is, you know, he bemoans all this. Trace, who, who were looking at the, at the program of the dairy seniors and mm-hmm. the, and the size of the backroom team. There were fifteen people in the backroom, and Jerry
2: said, "Son, the only thing we don't have is a gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um- yeah. I interviewed uh, Stan Bowles once. Do you remember Stan Bowles? He played for QPR. Oh, yes. And they used to say to Stan that if he could uh, pass a bookie's the way he could pass a ball, he would never have had a problem. Yeah. So, like, Stan had a had a book out, and he was doing it. We were arranged to meet in a, in a pub in Brentford, uh, and there are four pubs on this is the old Brentford ground. There was a pub on every corner of the ground. And every, I was there at 11 o'clock to meet him and um, Stan was late and everyone in the pub was like, God, it's not like, it's not like Stan to be late. Like he's always on time. And I reckon because he was such a gambler, like you would always have to be punctual if you're putting bets on. So it turns out he was in one of the other pubs anyway. But like Stan was a classic of the kind of, you know, even at the time he was seen as iconoclastic and wouldn't have lasted today because he was seen as so different. But then he was, you know, but the, by, like the stories he would tell you about being different. Like he used to drink, he used to drink with Phil Linnet. Um, and he'd drink in a pub near, I used to live in near Labrick Grove in London. And there was a pub there called the KPH, which was the Kensington Park Hotel. <clears throat> the name of it was, it might've been a hotel a hundred years ago, but it was known locally as Keep Paddy Happy. Cause it was where all the Irish used to drink. And uh, Stan used to drink in there with Phil Lynne. And I remember him telling you a story about how he, uh, Phil had promised him the merchandise rights for Thin Lizzy. <laughs> and he said, like, everything would have been different if I'd taken up that, those, that offer. And I was like, I don't, think have, I don't think they would have been that different, Stan. Well, there are no, there are no Stan Bulls about now, no. I mean,
1: I remember, you know, these the sports psychologists now who are, in, who are an essential for every team you know, even for, even for club teams, mm. you know, repeating dull banalities. You know, I mean, I remember, I you know, 30 years ago, we, we laughed at that. Mm. We just laughed at it. We were incredulous. I mean, whenever, <laughs> whenever even Coleman was taking the dairy team, God rest him. We loved Eamon. You know. In 1993, after we'd, he thought, thrown away in All-Ireland in 1992 when we were clearly ready. Uh, he, said, he, said, he announced at the start of the year to a bewildered dairy dressing room. I mean, Eamon was a, a bricklayer from from Ballymcquigan. You know, he was a... He loved football and he loved footballers and he had tremendous passion which transmitted itself to... You know, those were his great gifts, mm-hmm. you know. He, 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 he enthused you and he let you play, he let you play. But to our amusement, he announced at the start of the year, he says, Boys, well, he says this the way, Doctor, he says, I'm bringing in a very eminent man, he said, to the squad. He says, he's a very eminent man. He's worked with Olympic teams and he's going to help the team, you see. This guy called Craig Mahoney, an Australian sports psychologist who was starting to garner a reputation right, you know, at the start of sports psychology. And uh, so there was tittering and laughter, you know, and people asked stupid questions and Coleman getting embarrassed at this, and yeah. just general laughter in the changing room, because you know, everybody was adults in those days, you know, you weren't children. And uh, Brian McGilligan, our fearsome midfielder, you know, all six foot four and 16 and a half stone of I me, mean, strongest man I ever saw his strength was endless I mean he was like a you know on the field he was so powerful you know that if he hit a fella you know he would seriously injure them without realising that he'd done it he was a terrific rugby player as well galligan says to me he says what damn Broly he says oh. I guess Coleman said and he's, he's going to have a chat with each player. When, he, when, 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 when we when we bring him in, he's mm-hmm. going to then, you know, over the course of the next three or four months, he'll chat to everybody and get used to everybody, et cetera, et cetera, you see. So they brought Craig in and he says, all right, guys, you know, good to see you. Well, you know, all this here. And he gave a good, one of these sort of talks, nobody could really understand what he was talking about, which is the vogue, mm-hmm. you know, input, input path providers and all that sort of thing. This language of mumbo-jumbo. So anyway, he says, "Probably." um what sort of a boy is this? I said, well, you know, he's a sports psychologist. He says, hey, What what are be talking to me about? And I said, well, you know, it is um, the usual psychology stuff. I said, you know, would be asking, you, you know, what your relationship was like with your mother, you know. <laughs> the, 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 and you could see McGilligan's face starting to go easy. I says, um, do you know, have you ever had any sexual feelings for your mother? <laughs> <laughs> you see me getting on. what the fuck he says to me I says but it's like a standard psycho- psychological stuff as he went to me and he says fuck off he says you can fuck away off of that do you see and I says no but it's you know you that, got keep it keep it totally straight do you see so anyway <laughs> Craig was sort of pulling boys aside as we were going out of the changing room you know one at a time every now and again you know so he'd say he'd, he, he, was, he was taking a player and maybe spent 15 minutes with them while the training was going on <laughs> and I like you might Anyway, he called at and I said, oh, fuck, I've got, to, I've got to hang back to hear this, you see, so everybody's trotting out. said, Brian, can I have a word, you see? McGilligan sat down and he says, he says to him, Brian, you know, he said, uh, he said, can I have a word with you? And McGilligan says, get a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, ran, <laughs> and ran out onto the bench. <laughs> and, and, and Craig, in fairness to him, quickly realised, look, you know, I'll, I'll sort of be a, I'll, I'll keep a, very discreet presence here in the background and I'll try to give practical advice as far as is possible
0: <laughs> I won't but ask you about yeah, your feelings but no, for your mother
1: now you know I mean it's, it's everywhere sports psychology
2: but that, that Talk to me. I want to ask you something there just about I ahead. what you said about the RTE panel like where do you see it there like now you feel there's a, that sense of uniformity there because I, like I was thinking about this in terms of like I remember the RTE soccer panel with Giles and Dunphy, and I'd be at matches in the press box and you'd watch some terrible Ireland game and the only guaranteed entertainment, everyone would leave the press box at half time mm-hmm. to come down to watch Giles and Dunphy and Brady. That was the entertainment. <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't what you were watching. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was probably the same when you were doing the panel. Well, Paddy Heaney told me that when he was a
1: journalist, you know, and he was in Croke Park. They would all rush to the TV at half time to see what was being said. Yeah. Was it, was it? People know if it's honest or dishonest. Yeah. You know, whatever way whatever way the dice falls. But the problem now is that people do not say what they mean. And <coughs> and this is, I think, heavily contributed to by this tyranny of psychology, sports psychology, nutrition. You know, um, teams now have their movements monitored, their daily, their what they mm. do during the day, a system called WHOOP, W-O-O-P, yeah. I was told, you know, yeah, yeah. I said like, what about when you're having sex? You know, your yeah. manager says to you, you know, I see yesterday at 7.30, you know, you were hanging upside down from the ceiling, you know, with an orange in your mouth being, being whipped by your girlfriend. Yeah, I just <laughs> At least you get some vitamin C with the orange. But this this idea of, you know, everything around what you do being controlled, the robotification of sport, the robotification of life. I mean, Jerry Donnelly, you know, whenever he became the dairy PRO, he used to be hilarious, you see, because he, he would say anything over mm. the Tannoy. You know, some wee girl score winner would murder the national anthem, you know. You know those like dirges off, mm-hmm. and he would say, he would say, "Oh, sweet Jesus!" <laughs> he would say into the, into the tarot. You see, but and he used to, he used to, he used to make up the pen profiles of the dairy players. Like we were a very famous team, you know. Mm-hmm. So he started making up pen profiles because he was bored with, uh, you know, what you would say, oh, teacher, 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 teacher. You know, but would, so he say like um, fashion designer you know, entrepreneur. Hmm. And there's a fellow Johnny Niblock from Marifelt. He uh, Jerry put him in the programme as a taxidermist <laughs> you see. And Johnny would be one of the Niblucks from Marifelt. I don't know how you'd describe Johnny, but anyway, he was on the he was sort of maybe you know, his second or third sub on hmm. the squad. A great trainer and all, a great lad. So anyway, that was for the first round of the championship which we won mm. and then Jerry Jerry got a phone call from Mrs Niblock on the like the Thursday night following. Jerry, do you know what you put in the programme about our Johnny? He says, People are calling at our house with cats and dogs to get them stuffed. <laughs> Is there any way you could take that out? Jerry says, oh, well, absolutely no trouble, Mrs. Niblock. You see? So then he changed his pen profile. For the next championship came, and Jerry Stanton up beside because he was the P.R.O. So he had to look after the commentary teams and all that. BBC Radio Ulster were there, and Jerry said, "You know, with about ten minutes to go." Johnny Nibluck was sent out to warm up on the touchline, and all you could hear was Owen McConnon from Radio Ulster saying, "And now warming up on the touchline for Derry, twenty-two-year-old air traffic controller from Marahfelt, <laughs> Johnny <Nibluck. laughs> And... All that, you know, Ronan Rocks, he, called, he, he, he put Ronan Rocks in. Ronan, who's a terrific footballer from the loop and won an All Ireland under 21. He put Ronan in as a metallurgist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, Ronan said to Jerry, after, you know, on the Monday night or on the Tuesday night when we're back at training again, he says, Jerry, what's that thing you put me in the programme as? Jerry says, it's a meta- metallurgist, son. I bet. What is, what is it? He says, it's a, an expert in precious metals. He said, would my mother be happy with that job? Oh, she would, son. She'd be over the moon. That's great, Jerry. Thanks a million. <laughs> you know, and you, you wouldn't be able to have that sort of fun and, you know, those distinctive voices and that around everything has been commodified.
2: Are you sure that isn't a
1: bit of nostalgia, I, no, I don't think so because I see it. I see it myself. I see it with. I mean, I would have said I used to have this rule of thumb. I said, look, well, that passed the given dressing room test. Is right. it bullshit or is it not bullshit? Yeah. But I'm not so sure now because the boys increasingly are looking to this often bogus science. You know, and unless you're unless you're able to speak that language of gobbledygook, I say, well, you know. We, we don't, he's, he's clearly not qualified and I mean in our game now every serious coach and backroom team has a headset mm. They're, you know they've got laptops the statistics are everywhere I mean Alex Ferguson, one of the great coaches he was interviewed on Netflix and he said look I depended on my memory you see today managers taking notes, relying on notes even during matches, I never did that I always depended on my memory and the dressing room, that was very powerful me, for me. I can't understand why anyone would make notes during a game or rely on statistics. You know, and the interesting thing is with all these squadrons of sort of sports psychologists and nutritionists and all of that, it hasn't altered the outcomes at all. Dublin still win all Ireland. Kerry still win all Ireland's. Nothing has
2: changed. But did Dublin yeah. not become more dominant because they... Embrace some of that stuff. No, because
1: like. they're great players. Yeah. I told you David Hickey's philosophy of management. The great David Hickey, you know, the great transplant surgeon, yeah. and Dublin hero of the seven, Youngest player ever to this day to play for Dublin. He was the team doctor during Jim Gavin's era and Pat Gilroy's. He said, um, he said that um, the, the main job of a manager who's got great players is not to fuck it up. Mm. You know, and... You know, we need to get back to... And it's very difficult to see how we're going to, because we see exactly the same in politics and in all other areas. I mean, a, a, a sports guru tweeted recently that his talks to players were, quote, like mental medicine. Every, mm. team, every team should have the opportunity to hear this, because it's very important that players develop... Their optimism muscle <laughs> because <laughs> because, <laughs> because optimism is a muscle this is one of our foremost sports psychologists and the easiest way to develop it to <laughs> is through gratitude <laughs> no, people say that with a straight face, it doesn't mean anything but what I did was this mm. I had. have you ever heard
2: of the optimism muscle? I, I haven't, I'd like no. to get it so I, I rang,
1: I, I took it upon myself I'm an ex-Trinity man. I took it upon myself to ring the musculoskeletal science department at Trinity College School of Medicine. I'll give you the gist of the conversation. Hi, uh, it's Joe Brawley here. I have a question about a muscle. Oh, hold on, Joe, we'll get, you know. Mm -hmm. Hi, Joe, what's up? And I said, what's up? And I said, shoot. And I said, where in the human body, doctor, is the optimism muscle? The what, he said. I said, you know, the optimism muscle. He said, what do you mean? I said, you know, the optimism muscle. He said, as in the state of being optimistic? I said, yes. He said, are you having me on? I said, no. He said, there is no such muscle as the optimism muscle. I said, are you certain of that? He said, definitely not. Mm. Now, that was a bit of fun for me to go through all of that. But it's an illustration that people take these people very, very seriously. It's a hollow, dull, ludicrous
2: mumbo jumbo world. I you think all of it is because Yeah, I do think it is. Because Most the vast majority of it is. I mean, but I'll term, tell you in what in terms they of do. sport or in terms because some of that stuff in terms of people trying to deal with other things in life they might think well actually uh, uh, gratitude various things like that are kind of a good corrective to have, have a kind of dismal outlook on life or something you might have. So maybe there's something in it. There's
1: nothing wrong with being negative and pessimistic about life. I mean, some, your, 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 you know,
2: some of the great inventions and
1: discoveries came through pessimism. It's but more not realistic. through. But yeah, well, I mean, see, I mean, growth mindset, set, building emotional resilience, visualization, intrinsic, extrinsic motivators, enshrining the positive thought, actualizing the decision making <laughs> process. Now, you go to, I went to one of these ones. Yeah. And the fellow beside me said to me afterwards, that was total bullshit, total bullshit, like just that, just yeah. all that stuff that's, that's that you, you'll you'll see it in millions and millions of books nowadays, you know, but if you're not fluent in that bullshit and you mm. can't make a PowerPoint presentation that covers all that bullshit, you know, you'll not become the Leitrim manager. <laughs> and it's, you know, anyway, he said to me afterwards, he said, um, he said, he said that, that was impressive. It's just a fella. He was a fellow from Craig. And I said to him, like, what what, what in particular did you learn? He, he said to me, well, you know, it was, it was, it was just it was an impressive presentation. I said, I, I get that, but what was impressive about it? He said, it just in general, you see. It's, it's a general impression mm. of it doesn't mean anything. It's not tailored to you. And I think that this is pervading our games, pervading our discussions of games, but more importantly, it's pervading life.
2: Because
1: hmm. people are obedient. They like to say, here's a, if you follow this, if you visualize this and do this, then you'll succeed. Yeah. You know, um, and that, that then in turn turns into that sort of really dangerous sort of wellness fraud, well, the wellness con, hmm. you know, as some writers have described.
2: Planning for your next trip?
0: Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST.
2: Yeah, like, I know, what you, like, there was a the great line, Steve Archibald, the, the Scottish player who played for Barcelona, said... Uh, team spirit is an illusion glimpsed in victory you know and meaning that like there's no such thing as team spirit there's just a team that wins and then everyone says everyone sort of pro uh, retrospectively attaches meaning to a lot of the things because a team is winning you know what I mean and it, it goes into yeah. like do you remember there was a oh, guy oh yeah yeah of course there was a course. guy there was a guy Steve Peters do you remember Steve Pe- he worked with Ronnie O'Sullivan He's a sports psychologist. He's talk about your inner chimp. Well, he was the
1: guy who, or was it him or Enda McNulty who who did taking a tin opener to your brain?
2: No, I think that might have been Enda McNulty. He was he he had the inner chimp was his one, Uh, and he was working with Luis Suarez when Liverpool were trying nearly won the league in 2014, but they didn't talk so much about him when Luis Suarez then bit the fellas ear off at the 2014. See, they do
1: these psychologists. What they do is, is every now and again, one of them hits lucky. Like yeah. for example, if you if you rock up a Limerick under twenty ones have just won three in a row, and these guys are vast, they're brilliant specimens, they're outstanding hurlers, they're once in a lifetime grip, mm. and you're their sports psychologist. Well, it goes into your CV. Worked with, or you know, I worked with Brian O'Driscoll. Yeah, know. I I and then but I mean, as you say, you know, we don't we don't sort of see them, you know, when when um, when they're. You know, but but surely motivation when they're working for Antrim in Division Four of the National Football League. Like, I mean, John Morrison got a hypnotist in, <laughs> whatever Antrim, when he was managing Antrim. God rest him, and John was great crack, you know. And he, he 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 was a sort of a a delightful eccentric, mm. you know. But one of the things he did was to bring in a hypnotist, and he hypnotized he hypnotized the Antrim team, <laughs> and. Terry McCrudden and Aidan Dolly and those boys good pals you should hear them tell the stories you know every now and again you, know, you meet them at a wake and I say well, tell the story about hyp- hypnosis and then he, he wasn't the hyp- hypnotist wasn't well the day of the championship against Cavan so he sent through a tape that was to be played on a boombox to the players you know you're breathing in now Cavan are or, or little white rabbits and <laughs> you are wolves and you're going to very calmly devour them and now breathe in and out and hold your breath now and breathe out and you're going to be extremely relaxed. This is going to be easy. You're going to feel as though this game is the easiest game you've ever had, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And he got to the end of it and he said three, two, one. And Terry McGrunt said they went mental in the changing room, so the fucking shut up. Those, and after ten minutes the score was one five to no score for Cavan. <laughs> and I think it's a good metaphor for w- what we see, these people sort of pretending. And, and it's an industry now. I mean, the, the, this, the, 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 the sort of sports psychology, positive thinking, that was developed around about 1979 by a guy called Martin Seligman. Because mm. what was happening was, you see, the latest antidepressants were so successful It was difficult to to, 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 to get a, to make a career in mainstream psychology yeah. because people were going on these antidepressants, which are remarkably successful. I mean, I know the world is afloat on antidepressants now. I mean, America, the greatest country in the world, you know, the happiest people in the world, mm. you know, two thirds of the world antidepressant market. Yeah, America.
2: Um, but do you think there's anything in motivation? In a general sense, like you've got managers who are good, you mentioned Alex Ferguson, you've got managers who are good motivators, who are good at getting into the psychology of, of their players, or does that stuff <laughs> so, matter at all?
1: You see, I suppose the beauty of sports psychology, um, life gurus, alternative medicine, all that, is that it's completely unprovable. There's no way to say that it doesn't work. I, mean, I suppose the baseline for human beings is that we are gullible, mm. like we are gullible. Yeah. That's why universities and all are so important and, and, and writing and thinking is so important because, you know, it's very easy to go with trends and then become controlled and all of that. I mean, a test of our gullibility is that billions of people across the planet believe in a supreme being. Mm. You know, mostly a man who, who's, who's looking down from where he is, charting the daily activities of billions of people. I mean, like, Noah, and a 90-year-old man went to the North Pole, Mm -hmm. got two polar bears, brought them back, put them in a ship that he had built five or six times the size of the Titanic, Mm -hmm. you know, and then rode the waves. Um, I mean, I I don't know if you follow God on Twitter, I don't, no. God on Twitter is, fan, is fantastic. This is the real God now. He's got oh, millions okay. of followers. He said, you know, people. He said, follow me, great. People, can you please stop screaming out my name when you orgasm? Have you any idea how distracting that is? <laughs> I'm trying to work up here. You know. Yeah. And every sports person's everything. Oh, you know. Tyson Fury after he knocked shit out of somebody, you know, say, "I want to thank my Lord and Savior." You know, my Lord and Savior gave me the power out you know, No, no, your Lord and Savior did not give you the fucking power out there. Mm. Right? Nothing to do with your Lord and Savior. It's to do with the fact that you're an unbelievable physical specimen with, with every skill that every any heavyweight we had ever wanted. You've got courage to burn, and you are a simply sensational freak of a human being who is the heavy, the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world or at least the heavyweight champion of the world, you know. And this idea, you know, I remember, I uh, quote God on Twitter again, because that's, that's as close as we'll ever get to God. Yeah. You know? Whenever Serena Williams had won Wimbledon, she said she thanked our, you know, God, my saviour, for bringing me to this great victory today. He tweeted, yes, that's what I do all day. I sit around deciding who's going to win a women's tennis match.
2: But it makes them feel... It makes them feel if it makes you feel good about yourself does it not help or is that dangerous too because i remember a friend of mine went to see a psychiatrist once in uh, in london in harley street a top psychiatrist he was he was trying to get off drink and uh, the psychiatrist gave him a tip and he said he said you should only drink he said your the, the psychology said so the human spirit is like a bath he said and he said you only you should only and you need to have a full bath before you have a drink. The bath needs to be full of water, he said, You know, and you can't, if you're feeling down or you have a drink when you're feeling down, that's a very bad place for you to be. Uh, And he said to the man, he said, how are you feeling now? He said, I'm feeling great, you've told me this. The man had actually gone there to get off drink, and he said he felt so great having been told that he just needed to fill up the bath with water that he headed straight from Harley Street right into Soho, where he, he disappeared for about five days on the drink because your man had told him how, how great he, he should be feeling now that the bath see, was full if, of water. If, 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 if you can say anything
1: convincingly, mm. and nowadays, you see, you've got the advantage now that there are... I mean, I, I did a check, a brief check, just when we were sitting down on life gurus and life coaches and wellness and all of that, and the numbers were absolutely startling. Just a Google search, 1.3 billion hits for life coaches and, you know, hundreds of thousands of life guru books, you know. And really they're just modern snake oil salesmen, you know, they're just they're selling crap. It should be <laughs> I mean I mean the the doyen the doyen of all life coaches is Deepak Chopra. And Deepak became very, very famous when he went on the Oprah Winfrey show. I mean, in this stuff, you would say, well, this guy's completely absurd. 10,000 people go to his seminars. I mean, he he makes 80, 100 million a year. But he told Oprah Winfrey that people grow old and die. He keeps a very straight face because they have seen other people grow old and
0: die. You say that aging is a mistake.
2: Well, you know, when I was researching this book, I found that we have some real misconceptions about the aging process. For example, almost everybody believes that aging is fatal. But you look at the data and you'll find nobody really dies of old age.
1: Aging is simply learned behavior, which at the time prompted one of his devotees, Demi Moore, you know, who's married, mm-hmm. who was married to Bruce Willis, announce she had decided she was going to live to 130 years old. Fair enough. I have yet to choose. <laughs> Your age. <laughs> what age I will live to. See, and then the pernicious side of the philosophy is that if, if it doesn't work out for you, whether it's curing yourself of cancer, or, you know, or, or you know, becoming a tycoon, well, it's, it's your fault. It's, it's nobody yeah. else's fault. It's your
2: own fault. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? The optimism muscle. I've on.
1: only got one optimism muscle that I'm aware of, and I've <laughs> absolutely no control over it. It is the happiest muscle in my body. <laughs> and how dare a... <laughs> how dare anybody tell it what to do? That's a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> if there's
0: youth in your heart, show the calendar out. Cause your age depends on you. Every tale can come true. It can happen to you.
2: Hard.
1: For time you will find to be narrow of mind.
0: If you- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much
1: more